thanks for joining episode nine of Your Body Advocate. Today we have guests Stacy and Marcus Noggle. They are the owners of Your Vegan Family, and they're here to talk about eating for excellence. It's a great interview. Please enjoy it. Here we go. Let's take a deep breath to relax. Ready? All right. Enjoy. You're listening to Your Body Advocate, telling your body's side of the story. The podcast dedicated to supporting and improving your body-mind connection so you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life, dissolving one body tension at a time. Discover the healing properties of your own body language, and together, let's explore ways to support and improve essential self-talk. Now, here's your host, Master of Encouragement and Body-Mind Life Coach, Ruth Cummings. Hello, you two. I am so excited to introduce two of my favorite people that have an incredible site called yourveganfamily.com. You guys have to go check this out. And I am going to read their bios to you right now. Stacy and Marcus Noggle help excellence-driven people burn bright, not out. I love that. They are health consultants who utilize potent diet and lifestyle strategies to help you generate the energy, focus, and stamina needed to fuel sustainable success while nurturing your family and yourself. Love that. So we also talk about your six pillars of methodology. Do you want me to talk about that or do you? Do you okay. So you guys, let's just get, let's just jump right in. So um, my audience, we talk about being the advocate for your body. So I would love anything. And I, I mean, food is the body. Um, so anything that you can tell us about how to be nice to our body with food? Well, I would start off by saying that you know, food is a very intimate process when we eat. We bring it into the body and it becomes who we are. And if we think of food that way, you know, suddenly we, it's a different kind of relationship with what we eat. And so how we eat, what we choose to eat, um, those are ways that we can show um, love and appreciation, respect for our body, for the physical expression of who we are. Food's a very, uh, it's very emotional too. It's a very physical process, but it's a very emotional process. And so how we eat, when we eat, what we eat, who we eat with has all been influenced by the people that we've eaten with and the people that we've grown up feeding us and the patterns that we have eating, no matter what our age is now, have been developed by every single day we've been eating that's come before us. And so I think um, oftentimes when people perhaps want to have a change within their being and they choose to experiment with diet um, as the methodology towards the change that they're desiring, you know, you can run into lots of um, emotional energy and it can be positive emotional energy. It could be negative emotional energy too, that influence how we eat and understanding sort of where your eating patterns come from 
um, and, and perhaps why as well are, are very good questions to be asking when you're thinking about changing your diet and changing your relationship with food such that you might have a more um, productive relationship overall with your physical body, your mental body, and your emotional body. So it's a highly emotional process too. And um, as someone who's eaten a plant-based diet for 27 years, I can tell you that 25 years ago, the conversation around how you eat and what you eat is very different you know, almost 30 years later and dozens upon dozens of diets that have come out in the past three decades that, you know, advocate all different types of things, some of them very radical as well, that some of them produce results, some of them don't, some of them produce, you know, very short-term results, but have long-term effects that might not be desirable. And, you know, we've learned a lot about food in our experimentation with it as a culture, certainly here within the United States um, in the past 25 or 30 30 years. And, and uh, so there's a wealth of knowledge out there too, that can often be very confusing. <laughs> um, so in addition to it being emotional, and in addition to it being physical, there's an intellectual component to it as well, that you might be searching for solutions in much the same way that we've all kind of become internet doctors, if you will, whenever we have some symptomatology or something that we're looking up. And you can have access to all kinds of interesting studies and clinical trials and information, but being able to vet that information for um, validity and for what works best for you can often be um, daunting for lots of people as well. And so you know, food is a very simple thing. It's something that we need in order to be alive. Water is something that we need in order to be alive. Good sleep is something that we need to be alive, but they're not things that we often think about until we have problems with them. Wow, I love that. All of that, yes. Daunting is a great word for me and for other people where I talk to and my family, making the smallest changes seem very, very challenging. And, um, you know, eating a plant-based diet seems so far-fetched for many people. If I mention anything like that, it's just like they glaze over. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I eat meat and, and dairy and I try, I try to be cleaner. Um, but it's, it's challenging. And, um, uh, where would you say that a family like mine would start? You know, I think that it's helpful to think not plant-based, but plant-focused you know, you are eating a lot of plants. If it's not meat or dairy, it's plants. You know, actually, you know, your bread is a plant. If you have rice with your food, it's a plant. You're having a barbecue and you're having burgers. Well, maybe you're barbecuing up some corn or some asparagus, you know, so plants are already included. And, you know, I know that you work with a lot of athletes and, you know, they don't just go, oh, I'm a couch potato. Now I'm a star tennis player. There's a process. And, you know, you start with one thing, one new habit, one new skill, one new drill, and you build on that over time. So if you increase uh, the amount of vegetables in your diet and say, okay, well, tonight at dinner, we're including, you know, a side salad where I know we don't usually do that, but let's have a side salad. Or, you know, I'm doing a stir fry. Well, I'm going to throw you know, an extra cup of veggies in and take a little bit of the meat out. Or, you know, getting on there and, and looking on the internet for some recipes that maybe some Indian recipes. There's a lot of vegetarian recipes in Indian food and Asian food too. And so experimenting and going, oh, what, you know, what can we cook that's from another culture that might be kind of fun that includes um, plant-based foods, vegetables, grains, fruits, nuts, seeds, beans that we all love and build around that. 
So instead of taking some huge leap, you know, you're, you're taking little baby steps every day and trying some new things. It's a bit of an adventure. And, and I really agree with what you said, where it starts, it starts with your first meal or your next meal, <laughs> or bite. it just starts with one meal and one bite. It doesn't have to be overnight for some people. It certainly is, but you know, we're, we're all different and we all require different things at different parts of our lives, whether we're growing babies, whether we're, um, you know, younger or older, whether we're high performance athletes, you know, we have different nutritional needs at different phases in our life and all of our bodies are different as well. And so, um, you know, a plant-based diet has been proven to be a, a life-sustaining, healthy diet. If you look at the blue zones that have been highly published for the people that are living the longest, most productive, healthy lives in the five places around the United States and Japan and Costa Rica and California and Greece, you know, those people are pretty much eating a 90% plant-based diet with small amounts of meat and seafood that are thrown in that's focused on um, fiber, that's focused on exercise, that's focused on you know, community as well, I would say too, and, and family oriented nature around creating life, but also around how you eat. Uh, and so, you know, I think as quantum change is, is possible, we know that through science, but I think as human beings, we work better with small stepwise changes than we do with radical change. And I think that, that we can see that with a lot of the social issues that we have here in the United States and even worldwide right now. And I think that those things hold true for our physical bodies as well. If you're in an acute situation where you're required to make quantum change, that might be a different situation. But on the whole, you know, small steps towards a positive goal um, is a good way to go about it. And just like I'm sure you've seen with your athletes and I've experienced as a college athlete myself as well, you know, you don't just start training for your thing and do it all in one week. It's something that you build up a baseline level of health and fitness, and then you maintain and build on that base that you have too. And so working on your foundation to ensure that you're eating across a broad range of fruits and vegetables, maybe cutting down and or eliminating some of the things that don't serve your body and introducing new things that do. You know, lentils are not something that are all that common in American culture to eat. They're a foundation of the Indian diet. Um, they're a foundation, beans are a foundation of diets all around the planet. And if you look again at some of the people that are living the longest lives, but long quality of life as well, you know, beans, and the relationship with protein are something that are different than what we experience here in the United States. And I think one last point to Stacey's is, you know, trying new foods is a great thing. And if you're fortunate to be, you know, in a urban area or a place where you can expose yourself even through eating at a restaurant, it's become so much easier to eat vegan or plant-based meals. And maybe you've never cooked Indian before, which could be daunting to learn a whole new cuisine just to try something new. But maybe the next time you go to a restaurant, if you do eat out and you go to your Indian restaurant or you go to your Mexican restaurant or you go to your Thai or Ethiopian restaurant, ordering a plant-based entree to go along with the rest of yours can expose you to new flavors, can expose you to new textures, can expose you to new things that then give you motivation to go home and maybe experiment with some of those things in your kitchen as well. No, that's well said. I remember... Um... We had a, uh, as a family, we went and had um, some, my daughter works at an Indian restaurant, by the way. So <laughs> Perfect. Oh, lucky, lucky her. You too. Yeah, yeah. And she brings it home at night, you know, when she's in town, so, you know, she's gone, but, um, and we, we're always like, 
Um, we love the non and yeah, every time, whatever she brings home, we're ooh, just following her around and she's batting, oh. batting us away. <laughs> um, so the, what, I lost my train of thought, but, um, oh, we went to a, um, we were in Salida, Colorado. And as a family, we went and had, you know, dinner somewhere and we ordered um, tilapia mango tacos mm -hmm. and uh, they were so good and, um, but they're expensive. So my daughter was like, Ooh, I can make this. And no <laughs> kidding. When we got home, she, she couldn't find tilapia. So I think she did either salmon or tuna. Oh yeah. She did a, she did a tuna steak. So she made tuna mm -hmm. seared tacos with mango sauce. Mm -hmm. Was that yummy? And we had my parents over and they had never had that. And we had some, some football players over and they had never had that, you know, and then it, it, I just love that because I love what you said, Marcus, about eating with people and how you learn, like what you learn as a kid you know, and how you are eat together, it really matters in your life where yeah. do you eat as a family. Um, and do you eat slowly? You know, I have, I, I do this, you know, like, um, <laughs> and like I could still feel the food, you know, moving down as I'm moving back to work. It's just not the, you know, when you're, you know what to do, that's better. At least I, I've learned and I hear, you know, chew, 26 times or whatever, like literally certain things that you can do to make yeah. food better for you. But I think, you know, like last night we had, um, we just like to have, um, athletes, uh, for dinner who don't have families in town mm -hmm. and, um, and just, they all have their own, not only food style. I remember Chad last night was saying, Oh, I love red beans. And we hadn't had red beans. Mm -hmm. And then other people, from, you know, from other parts of the country are like, oh, I like, you know, barbecue, but we use a white barbecue sauce and, um, you know, just, uh, just learning from each other. And I just, I love, and I have missed during COVID, um, just the, the communal food and communal yeah. in our family. Of course, for family, we can still do that. Um, just, I think it's really important as a cult keep us uh, loving each other and um, understanding each other. And uh, so you bring up a lot of good points that food is so important, more than just what we're eating and what it does for our bodies. It's cultural, it's, it's love, you know, it's nurturance. And so I love that what you're saying about beans and lentils. So tell me more about what do lentils do? I don't know. I eat a lot of lentils just because we're next to, we have a lot of Indian friends. I don't make lentils I, myself. I, I would love to learn. Yeah. But uh -huh. they seem so good, right? So tell well, me. Yeah, sorry. I'll stop talking. <laughs> Ruth, I'll send you a great lentil soup recipe that's easy to make um, that I think you'll love. Would love that. Uh, well, lentils are in the same class as beans. They're a legume. And there are lots of different kinds of lentils. In the US, we usually see the green lentils or the orange lentils, um, maybe black lentils at some stores. But if you get into Indian cuisine, there are a lot of different kinds. There really are really cool names. Yeah, like, chana dal and mung beans. Yes, um, that's what those are lentils. Those are urad dal. Those are all different lentils. And, you know, they have, they have similar nutrient profiles, but the 
you know, you get a lot of protein from the beans that you eat. So people think, oh, well, beans, I'll get some protein. But the other part that they don't think about, which maybe is the biggest superpower, is that they have heaps of fiber. And that's something that you don't get much of when you're eating an animal-based protein. You're not getting that fiber. And, you know, a lot of people don't think very much about fiber, but fiber feeds the bacteria in our guts. And the bacteria in our digestive system is key to processing our food, extracting the nutrients so that it can get into our bloodstream and nourish our bodies. And a lot of people don't know too, that there are 10 times the amount of bacterial cells in our body than human cells. We're mostly bacterial cells. I heard that somewhere, but I I like to hear you say it again. Like that's, that's very interesting and very cool. So tell me like we're having antibiotics. Does that do what I think it does? And like, it really just, you know, really hurts that whole system. Well, yes, absolutely. Um, And some antibiotics can be more focused on a particular part of the body and not upset the digestive um, bacteria so much. But our digestive bacteria, it's not just that they extract nutrients from our food, but there is a direct communication from our gut to our brain and then out to the rest of our body and back to our gut. So you may have heard the term food mood. Um, What people eat determines in part how they feel because how things are digested um, and the bacteria that are present, that determines what our gut tells our brain. And our gut also makes a lot of the neurotransmitters like serotonin. Most of the serotonin, which is also called the happy hormone is made in our gut. Mm. And so taking care of our gut in that way, taking care of the bacteria that live in our gut affects our health more than anything. You wipe that out and health goes down. There's no way around it. The healthiest people in the world have a very diverse gut culture. Um, And that's an interesting point that she makes because they have looked at, you know, isolated cultures, cultures that are not, you know, cross-populating, cross-contaminating, if you will, cross-pollinating, that's what I'm looking for in any way, you know, in different parts of the globe to try to find what are key success factors within these individuals that we might be able to identify that could give us some insights into why they have lived as long as they've lived in such a healthy way. And the only thing that they can find or the primary thing that they find, and there aren't too many others that they find, is that they share similar profiles in gut bacteria. Wow. Um, And so, you know, it it is a very important part of our body that is not talked about all that much. And um, it's becoming more popular, I think, if if you would look at the proliferation of probiotics. And so you can talk about antibiotics and, and the role that they play in healthcare. And yes, if you take a broad spectrum antibiotic, it's, it's going to affect the positive bacteria in your gut as well. Like Stacy said, you can take some that might be much more localized and much more focused. But oftentimes, we're, you know, when we're given an antibiotic because they don't know exactly what's afflicting you, they give you a broad spectrum antibiotic. And so more and more, I think Western medicine physicians do recommend that after you've had an antibiotic, you should be following that up with a probiotic to try to bring back and reestablish your 
uh, positive gut health and positive gut bacteria. And more and more, I mean, these things exist in all kinds of foods, um, but more and more you see uh, probiotic supplemented foods that yeah. become available too. And so, you know, I think there's more of an understanding as to just how important your gut health is. Um, and there's more of a focus on, uh, you know, trying to make sure that it's performing in the best way possible in ways that we've not seen before. And, you know, in mainstream eating. I agree. Like, um, uh, my, my daughter actually, you know, she listens to me, but it's interesting the other day, um, she's almost 20 and she asked, uh, she asked about probiotics and I thought it was interesting because, um, I, we, we, we do it naturally in our house. If we, if we have to take an antibiotic and, or, you know, we just, we've done it their whole lives, but as, as in college, she was like, I need some probiotics, mom. I read about it and my friends were telling me, and it was just so cute because it was like, okay, all right, you guys are starting to get it. And I wanted to tell you a little story about gut and brain. My father-in-law um, um, had dementia. And um, before he was um, slipping pretty fast, he uh, would come and get colonics at my office. So my office offered colonics. And so he would come in and he would have a colonic. And so it was a, it was a regular weekly thing at that point because um, he had a lot of issues and the clonics were really helping. In that process of the days that he would, he would forget where my office was. So I would walk outside and have to flag him down. He would go, Rah! I would see him drive by and I, I, then he'd drive by again. And so I finally have to like wave him in and he would have his colonic and he would come out. And another thing to mention is as he was walking in, he would call me the wrong name. And I would just say, hey, dad, you know, come on in. And, oh, hey, Rachel. He always called me Rachel. And um, so he would go back and, and start his session. And when he came out, he was completely mentally clear. And wow. It was fantastic. At the beginning, it would be mentally clear for like six days. Yeah. And it would it, it just decline and decline. And at the end, it was probably for an hour. But he was clear for an hour. Like he would know, you know, how did I get here? And. Um, I was pregnant at the time. He's like, well, is Jake coming yet? And, and then, and then you just see it, he would be like, Hey, Rachel, and it would go back to, mm -hmm. but it was the colonics. It was the clean wow. his gut that brought his brain back. And that's mm -hmm. amazing. I wow, thought it was, um, you know, we would tell his doctors and they go, yeah. okay. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought it was so sad. I wanted to tell them like, Hey, if you have other dementia patients, you could try this, you know, if they can't get a clonic, maybe do an enema or something else to just clear their gut. And, um, they, uh, you know, just didn't, didn't uh, hear that at all, which is kind of sad. I think more people, like you said, Marcus are hearing it now, just, uh, yeah, the importance of everything in our body, but the importance of gut to brain is, uh, mm -hmm. I see it. Another thing I wanted to mention is like when I'm doing massage on people who are having intense emotional issues, their gut is always involved. And if they're having, you know, gut pain in the front, anywhere around their belly button, I can find the same pain on the back. And so like, even if they're having pain that's up in their shoulder blade, I can usually find um, uh, the, the, uh, the epicenter in the front of the gut somewhere around mm -hmm. there. And even if it crosses the body line, 
Um, I know I'm making little like, like, uh, like puzzles, but that's how I see it. Like here's the middle mm-hmm. of the body, you know, and something on this side will affect on the other side. And I just mm-hmm. think it's fascinating. So I think it's hard to have a physical issue in your body, especially if it's systemic that doesn't involve your gut in some way. I mean, it's literally how you're digesting your life experience. And so if your life experience is in some way undesirable, your gut's involved, right? There might be other parts of your body too. It might not be the source of the issue, but you know how we digest life every single moment of every single day is a huge part of who we are. I wrote down that quote, Marcus. Is it okay if I did <laughs> Sure. I'm not sure which what, what you digest- wrote down, but sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> the digesting of your life experience. That is amazing. It's so true. And it's all right there. Um, so it's just so important. Yeah, so... We really do say we are what we eat, right? And we are what we eat from a, from a health perspective. But you can't separate your physical health away from your mental health, away from your emotional health. We're, we're a full meal deal. It's, a, it's one big package, right? <laughs> and so you're, you are eating your emotions. You are eating your physicality. You are eating your mental you know, state of mind in that present moment. You're eating all of those things every single time. And I think that, you know, in the culture that we have now where time, if we could buy time, we would buy time. Right. It's it's and that's what we try to do. We try to buy as much time as we can from any place that we can buy it because we're overwhelmed in our lives with the amount of things that we think we need to get done. And in some cases, we really do need to get done as well. But I think if you look again at the last two or three decades where we've taken time from is food and food preparation, whether we've gone to microwaves or whether we've gone to frozen food or whether we've gone to fast food, we've taken you know, we've tried to gain an hour or two hours or whatever amount of time there would have been around food preparation at one point and the sharing and collective family experience of sharing around that food too. We've taken that out of our eating process. And, you know, not only has it affected us socially, but most importantly, that's affected us physically and mentally and emotionally as well, because it's all, it's all one big package deal. Right. And so you can't, food is critically important in everything that we do. And, by eating well, you actually probably can create some time for yourself in your mm-hmm. schedule then, and more productivity and more energy and more shining and burning brighter. Um, by eating the right things, you're actually, and by making that investment in your health, you actually probably in the long run and in the bigger picture are going to save time. Then you are losing the time in that moment where you think you don't have that half hour to spend you know, preparing your meal for that particular breakfast, lunch, dinner, whatever it might be. Yes. I'm, I'm, I am listening through my lens of my life of, you know, eating as I'm walking to the next client or, you know, um, allowing sports to not to take away our family dinner time, you know, all these things. Do you guys eat at the same time every day? We do. We're, Kind of, yeah. We're lucky. We're lucky because our kids are eleven and seven, and so we're not. And we live on a small island, 
Um, and we've just kind of come out of COVID as well. And there aren't a lot of things to do. You kind of, we're in a DI do it yourself environment where, you know, oftentimes if you want your kid to play T-ball, then you got to go organize the T-ball team and coach it. Um, and so we're not distracted by, you know, high school kids who oftentimes tend to have extracurricular activities and things after school that are, I hate to say it more meaningful, but they're, they're uh, less flexible than maybe what you would have in elementary school. And so we all of our breakfasts together and we eat all of our dinners together and we eat our lunches together on the weekends. And so whenever we're together as a family, we eat all of our meals together. And it's something that um, we all try to participate in. You know, the boys, Nico, our older one writes blessings. Ryan likes to light the candles. We're also very fortunate to live on a beach and we've got um, an orchard too that's quite a lovely setting and a deck outside. And so we rotate, like when it's a beautiful day, we walk down to the beach with our food and we eat on the beach or we eat in the orchard or we eat on the deck, or then, you know, we'll bring it back and eat in the dining room. And so we rotate the places that we eat and the venues that we eat in. And um, it makes it a family activity that everybody can participate in, even if you're not cooking, but we also from the earliest possible sprouting of the tooth through the gum have tried to involve the boys in the tasting process and um, really have tried to focus on expanding their palates from again the earliest possible age you know yellow curry lightly seasoned at six months old <laughs> so cool. you know i have to say that we've been good at that too just you know giving them capers here you know at like, yeah um, stuff and yeah. Uh, our kids have always been you know open to different flavors and i i I'm thankful that my my parents I would assume that their parents did that for them. Um, and but so what a lovely um, what a lovely life you guys have to have those options. I miss the water um, very much. Are, um, okay, did my video stopped for a second. Are you guys good? Yeah, ours is good. It hangs up every now and again, but it's fine. Okay. Okay. Great. So I have a, um, what is, I have a couple questions about, um, I mean, I have so many, but I think one that's burning for, um, a lot of my, uh, clients and friends and family members is what is the best diet for healing? Healing what is <laughs> part of the question, you know, I, as someone who's been, working with people and nutritional advice for 30 years, you know, it, it's very outcome dependent, you, you know, what you want to have for your outcome informs, um, you know, as a reverse plan, what you're going to eat. And that may be a process as well, starting in one with one diet and changing it up as you heal or progress on that journey. Well, I guess I asked that broadly. I mean, mm -hmm. um, I know there's so many different, is there, is there like a basic that people could start with? Like, okay, if you, if you're really dedicated to your own healing, then, you know, start with this. Um, yeah. What would you suggest if I, if I came to you and asked that, or if my daughter, let's say, let's say my daughter who's 20, as I mentioned, who lives in college, you know, in college and eats in a cafeteria and doesn't have a car or a way to get to a store. Well, right. I, I think a really good rule of thumb to go by, and our, our family looks at this, we, we count 
the variety of foods we eat. You know, we say eat across a broad variety of fruits, vegetables, grains, seeds. And we make sure that we're eating about 15 different foods a day. And making sure that over the week, it's 30 totally different foods. So, you know, if, if we're making a lasagna, we know that has, you know, 20 to 30 different ingredients in it. And when Marcus makes the boys lunches every day, well, they have between eight and 12 different ingredients. So today was um, a vegan cheese and tofurkey sandwich on a whole grain sourdough bread with some um, spring greens, some cherry tomatoes. There was a bowl that had some strawberries and mandarins and oranges in it. And another container that had some dried blueberries, some little veggie crisp snacks, some dried okra. Is that it? I think that was it today. (laughs) Oh, and some cookies that we made over the weekend that were uh, sunflower seed and fig and some different spices and Um, anyway, so, you know, you go through that and it's like, okay, well, if you, if you eat a diverse diet, you have diverse gut flora. So, you you know, making sure that you're eating across a broad range of fruits and vegetables, I think is a great way for anybody to make a first step towards a healthier diet. Because when you have a healthy digestive system, that's happy, you know, Confucius, he said, bliss begins in the bowels and it does when when that is solid then everything else in your life can be taken care of um in your health it can be optimized so that would be what i would give as a blanket statement for this is a healthier way to eat and i think you know if, as scientists which we are both trained to if someone were to ask that question and say well i i want to eat healthy how should i eat well Let's go out and see how the healthiest people eat. Who are the healthiest people? What studies have been done? Well, the largest nutritional study done to date on thousands of people over 10 years, the China study, came back with, you know, a plant-based diet supplemented with B vitamins, vitamin D, and 15 or 20 minutes in the sun every day um, is probably the healthiest. It's the healthiest diet we found, again, in the largest nutritional study that had been done. Um, you know, I think, again, going back to the blue zone, too, if you you could, again, start with the end point. Well, who are the oldest, healthiest people on the planet? Not the oldest people that are in a nursing home and, you know, hooked up to tubes and things and whatever else, but people that are actually, you know, have an active, healthy life that are octogenarians and nonagenarians and that are over 100 centenarians, over 100 years of age. And in those places, their predominant diet that they eat is 95% plants. And so, you know, Michael Pullen, I think, says it in a very simple, concise way, you know, you should eat good food, not too much, mostly plants. And I think that that saying it in that way allows for space to eat some meat or eat some seafood or, you know, indulge in some of those family recipes that grandma passed down to mom that passed down to you that everybody loves for Sunday dinner on a certain time or ritualistic celebration that your family has, those are all fine. But I think on the whole, you know, if you want positive change within your body, it's like being a, an athlete. If you want to get stronger, if you want to get more flexible, if you want to gain balance, you work on these things a little bit every day 
time and time again, we're both certified yoga instructors. And I would always tell people in my yoga class, you are much better served to stay at home and do yoga for 15 or 20 minutes each day, three, three poses by yourself than to come to my class once a week for an hour and a half. Because that repetition, that expectation of the body, that knowing that something good is coming for me, though that that patterned you know response is really what trains the body up in a new way. And whether you're doing that at a physical level as an athlete, whether you're doing that at an emotional level or an intellectual level, you know all these things once again are tied together. And I think small incremental change is an easier way for most of us humans to go than radical quantum change overnight. And that's again, if you have, like Stacy said, it would really depend on well, what are you eating for? Are you trying to solve a problem? Most people only think about changing their diet if they want to lose weight. That's probably the number one reason that people change their diet is to lose weight. Well, and then the second one, which is probably not too far back, would be to try to solve a healthcare problem. Well, you don't need to be overweight and you don't need to have a healthcare issue to eat a more optimal diet for yourself. Yes, that, I agree. Like, so here, here's something real specific then. What if somebody, you know, um, I'm working with a client, let's say, who is having gut pain and has just lost a loved one two months ago. Mm. now see and i know i you you guys coach people to how to eat better and how to change their life to be healthy and use use food to do that yeah so yeah. and i know this is a loaded question um and and it doesn't just involve food and i i i, I see that but i'm just mm-hmm. just to give those people out there who are like that because there's yeah. millions um, sure. like, like one thing they can do. And I love it. So they can go 15 different foods, um, try to do more vegetables and fruits and legumes, legumes, mm-hmm. um, and beans and those types of things, a little bit less meat and yeah. Any, any other things that they can try on their own? Like they, they just don't, you know, they, they yeah. want to try to get better. What can, what can you suggest? Well, you know, someone who's had something traumatic happen in their lives, you know, going back to Marcus's story about um, digestibility of life, like that's something that is huge and challenging to digest. So the last thing you want to do is make it challenging for your digestive system. So eating foods that are easier to digest can be a great way to take some of the pressure off of that process. And in Asian medicine, which is what my background is. I have a master's in Asian medicine. And when you want to go easy on the digestive system, they do a lot of soups. They do like a rice congee, a, you know, a soup that has rice in it, vegetables, you know, it's cooked a little while, some of the slow cooked stews, um, complex carbohydrates are part of that. Those are easier to digest, but they don't spike the blood sugar and cause inflammation. Um, so, you know, that's one way that they could go easy on their digestion is with some easy to digest yummy soups um, or stews. And I think, in, you know, in this particular example that you're asking about as well, it's highly traumatic to lose a loved one. 
Um, and so your body's going through all kinds of things. And I would say, you know, self-love and self-care in that moment is more important than practically any other moment that you're, you've been in. Um, and in those cases, you know, I would think back to, well, are there things that I do really like that are comfort foods for me that bring me emotional stability, that bring me to a happier place than the one that I'm currently in right now that are healthy for me, too? Because comfort food doesn't have to be, you know, a bag of Oreo cookies or, what, or a whole pint of ice cream or, you know, it can be those types of things which might make you feel worse. But you can also have comfort food in your life. Like Stacy said, I'd soup's the first thing that would come to my mind too, because the less your body has to work digesting, the more energy that you're going to have to process the experience that you're going through right now. And I think this is why, you know, as probiotics are becoming more and more common, fasting is becoming more and, and experimenting with fasting is becoming more common. And if you think about people that eat all day long, pretty much every day, and they're even eating late into the night, your stomach and your gastrointestinal system, your gastrointestinal tract are pretty much working 24 seven. And so, you know, again, you're working with athletes, you know, that if you're working any muscle, any muscle group or your entire body nonstop, at some point, you know, it's, it's going to blow out, it's going to be done, it's going to have to shut itself down and recharge the battery, in whatever ways that you're accustomed to doing that. And so, you know, being kind and gentle on yourself in that process, I think is really important. And I think another thing that, you know, is kind of a easy thing to say that, again, we've said to a lot of our yoga students is feeling down, move around, feeling great, meditate. You know, when you're in an emotional situation where you're not feeling so good about the experience that you're going through, it's very easy to kind of sit in your sit in your pain, to sit in your situation. That, and your digestion in that sitting too is not going to be nearly as active as it might normally be as well. And so, you know, when you're in a challenging time, what you want to do is move through it, literally. And you want to move through that in an emotional way. You want to move through that in a physical way. And whether you work at it from the emotional side, or you work at it from the intellectual side, or you work at it from the mental side, it's all the same thing, right? And so sometimes just taking yourself for a walk or getting out in nature or going to a special place that's one that you might not have been to for a while that gets you moving and gets you out of the experience or moving through the experience can be, you know, helpful in getting all the rest of it to, to start the process as well. That is great, great advice. I love that. I've, I've been suggesting to people to, you know, get out in the sun, even during COVID, or I shouldn't say even, especially during COVID, people were afraid to go outside and, um, but moving through it, I love that, Marcus. You guys have so many great gems of information. <laughs> um, We've had lots of great teachers. Oh, that, you know, yes. I, I, uh, I have to uh, tip my hat to my incredible teachers as well. There's, I'm, I'm happy to teach what they have taught. Um, so, you know, to, to um, how how does one, um, how does a person or a family start working with you guys? Well, we do have our website that is yourveganfamily.com and there are some different options on there. Um, it's, you know, a great way to start working with us is to do a five-day challenge that we have that supports you and encourages you to eat a variety of foods and it's full of some recipes 
that families can try and some information for picky eaters, how to start to expand your palate, whether it's your children or your spouse or you, um, some ways to experiment and get some other foods in there without taking a huge leap. So that five-day challenge is full of information. So that's a great way to start. Okay, great. Um, and yeah, you can leave that link for people if you want. Oh, for um, sure. I will leave yeah, out any, links, yeah. any other links that you wanted. Um, are you guys launching anything right now? Um, we are. We are launching our Burn Bright Not Out program. And that will be coming out um, in early summer. And that's a six-week program that is a health acceleration program. And it's geared for busy people that, you know, you don't have time to go, you know, to a chef's school and learn how to cook Indian food and, you know, go to a nutrition school and figure all of that out. So it's designed to give bite-sized tips that people can integrate into what they're already doing so that they don't have to take an hour out a day to learn and try something new, but, you know, little things that they can do to make their meals um, healthier, tips that they can do to save time. Um, so that is coming out soon. Well, I love that. I can't wait to, uh, I, I will mm -hmm. definitely uh, push this out and help you. Um, I think both of these are great. The five day challenge just sounds so lovely. And, um, what about people doing that together? Like, can a family do that together? Like a, you know, or like groups of people, like a neighborhood. I have, yeah. the, I have the best neighborhood <laughs> here. And we're always trying to help one another and mm -hmm. I, like to do that with them. Could they, could we do that together? How does that, yeah. we just both sign up separately. It's actually geared towards families. Okay. So that, um, you know, it, it takes into consideration, you know, recipes that are family friendly. And so, yeah, absolutely. Everybody can sign up for it. And if they all sign up on the same day, you'll be on the same, you know, cycle for emails and support. And that can be helpful too. Oh, that's great. I, I, I love talking to you guys. I'm learning so much. And I think that um, it's so, it's just so important to get this information out to people who are trying to get better and trying to live healthier lives. Yeah. As we finish up in our last few minutes, is there anything else that you'd like to um, like to share that would be uh, helpful? Well, I'd like to address how some athletes um, or really physically active people are concerned that if they eat a more plant-focused diet, they're not going to have the energy or the protein that they think that they need to um, have a high performance uh, in their sports. And, you know, if you do a Google search online, there are so many Olympic athletes who use a plant-focused diet. Um, the strongest man in the world, tennis gold medalists, um, the Serena sisters, they eat a plant-focused diet. Carl the whole Tennessee Titans defense two years ago went on a vegan diet and they had some of the best statistics of their football team had ever had. Wow, that's awesome. And I didn't know that. I wonder, I wonder if there, there's a link on that, right? We could maybe add that. I might add that. Like Tennessee Titans. Yeah. Uh -huh. It was a number yeah. of years ago now, it was most of their defense and they had a, you know, they had a great year. And as, because we're focused on high performance diets, you know, how can you have more stamina, more energy, more focus um, with what you eat? And if you read about these athletes, 
a lot of them tried a plant-based diet because they wanted to have faster recovery times. They wanted to heal faster from injuries. And that is across the board, what they have reported they experience. Um, yeah. So even people who are um, ultra marathon runners and, you know, yeah, a lot of different football players all have great things to say about a plant-focused diet. And, you know, and even outside of athletics, um, people like Richard Branson, you know, who by many standards has been very successful in his financial entrepreneurial um, goals. And, you know, he eats a pretty simple plant-focused diet and he shares time with his family around food. You know, he's making those a priority and we can use food to bring our families together. We you often see it as something that must be done, get it done as fast as possible. But when we use food to bring our families together, if your kids are younger, you can teach them about math and fractions as you're cooking and using your measuring cups. You can teach them about basic nutrition. Hey, here's where you're getting your protein. Hey, let's try this flavor and see what it is. Did you know that fruits are full of antioxidants? You know, it's, it's our teaching opportunity to teach our kids what food can mean to them. Yes. And then when we sit down at the table, as Marcus said, we make it something beautiful with a family blessing that Nico's written or, you know, just making the table beautiful with some heart stones we found on the beach or some flowers or things like that. And so rather than it being something out over here that must be done, it becomes a center that your family can focus around and do something together. Hey, thanks for joining for this part one of this cool interview with Stacy and Marcus from YourVeganFamily.com. And we will have part two next week. I hope you join their five-day challenge, which is really fun. And if you join at the same day, not at the same time, but if you join within a 24-hour cycle, then you're in the same group that they work together with. So that's really fun. Thanks so much for being here, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Your Body Advocate with Ruth Cummings. We're so glad you've joined us today and truly believe you can live a pain-free, passion-filled life. To connect with Ruth, work with Ruth, or to grab your free ebook, go to ruthcummings.com. We'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Until next time, friends, be open, include the unincluded, think outside the box, and spread love and kindness one smile at a time.